It's not the Zaid. It's not the story. It's the Zaid story. Zade story. My name is Kevin Zade, and I'm here podcasting from the Zade Story Studio. Now I'm gonna have to uh, totally trash my original intro that I was thinking about because this weekend was hectic. I was at Rockaway Beach for the weekend with my family, celebrating Labor Day, and so I didn't have an episode. But me and Dougie sat down to talk about. Going in Style, which is a film starring Alan Arkin, Morgan Freeman, and Michael Caine. And they rob a bank, and they're old, and hilarious old gags ensue. But what I found out when I tried to post this on Sunday night is that my computer didn't accept the file that this program I used on my phone to record... It doesn't support that file. And so after I did lots of work today to try and get it uh, converted to the right type of sound quality, the sound quality dropped drastically, and the whole recording was just a bunch of muffled murmurs. So I hope you all had a great holiday weekend. And due to my own insanity on trying to get a new episode out, I'm not going to edit this hardly at all. I'm going to run it through a few filters, and I'm going to call it good. So we're going to do a classic microbrew edition. But here's the catch. Because I don't have a partner to talk with uh, things, to talk over a movie, instead of one movie, I'm going to bring you five different reviews. And so let's start with Tour de Pharmacy, the HBO short film from Andy Sandberg. This film was directed by Jake Szymanski, who also directed such films as Seven Days in Hell, which is a hilarious HBO mockumentary, uh, also starring... Andy Samberg about the seven worst days of tennis history. So he's got kind of uh, he's got two things going on here, which are kind of sports mockumentaries. And let me tell you, first of all, they are not for the faint of heart. These are uh, very crass. They are hilarious. But uh, but if you're sensitive to that concept and language, uh. And content, you might want to stay away from this. But if you like mockumentaries, if you like people pushing the line, this is hilarious. I'd love to just point out uh, the things that it really had going for it is besides the very clever writing, uh, this is a great example of crude done right as opposed to something like Sausage Party. This is very smart writing. It also boasts the cast of Andy Sandberg, 
Orlando Bloom, Kevin Bacon, John Cena, James Marsden, Maya Rudolph, Danny Glover, Mike Tyson, Jeff Goldblum, Lance Armstrong himself, Dolph Lundgren, uh, Will Forte, and the list continues to go. Uh, This is a spoof, a mockumentary about a Tour de France that went horribly wrong with the doping. Um, it's it's really it's just kind of a funny forty minute treasure that HBO produced. It's uh, again not for the faint of heart, but if uh, if you give it a shot, I guarantee you you will laugh at something. So the uh, the next film I was going to talk about was. An Inconvenient Truth. Josh and I went and saw this in the Salem Cinema Theater. Shout out to Salem Cinema. A couple of things I wanted to talk about. The Inconvenient Truth. Uh, I saw the Inconvenient Truth. The original one back from, from 2006, I believe. It, uh, it presented itself very factual, and it felt very much like a college presentation. There was a lot of footage of Al Gore giving this presentation. There was a lot of intercuts, uh, pictures of the slideshows that he was also presenting at these talks he went around the world. Um, it It was a very smart documentary. It felt very smart, but it really lacked in any sort of presentation and it really lacked urgency Uh, come around 10 11 years later and an inconvenient sequel truth to power uh the things i wanted to hit on here were the passion versus the statistics in this movie you get a very passionate al gore you get uh, a real sense of urgency and just kind of bewilderment with what is going on. Um, Very much so in the news of these days, we see that the experts 10 years ago, almost exactly 10 years, the experts said North Korea would have nuclear weapons. And 10 years later, in present day, they have nuclear weapons, and everybody seems surprised, except for the fact that that's what the experts said would happen. And here we have, uh, in this, it feels as though there were warning signs back when Al Gore was explaining to them, saying things that were that people scoffed at, saying like, with the with the ocean temperature rising, we're going to get bigger and worse storms. And you know, he talks about in the first one how uh, the 9/11 memorial in New York. Uh, could eventually get flooded if a bad storm hit, if global warming continues, yada, yada, blah. Ten years later, almost ten years, this is more like seven or eight years later, Hurricane Sandy comes in and floods the 9-11 memorial. And it's one of those things which is, it was just kind of bewildering to watch all this footage, but that brings me to my second favorite part was the photography in this sequel was 
harrowing and beautiful and really well used. Whereas in the first film, it was really boring. The first movie's really boring. And in this one, it's engaging. The shots are, uh, the, the frames are beautiful. They're disastrous. There's lots and lots of real footage that you get to watch as opposed to a lot of slideshows, which is, which was a really big benefit to this kind of topic. However, the ending of an inconvenient sequel really drops the ball and it really ends about two years ago with this big victory. But the problem with that is after that big victory, we know as people, a lot of different things have happened. And so the movie felt like it was trying to get released last year and instead got pushed back to this year, which left us with two more years of uncovered footage that we already know didn't work. And so um, so the movie was a real strong three quarters, and the last quarter just really drops the ball, leaving us hanging and kind of wondering, well, why did I watch this? Because the end of the movie was clearly two years ago. I know that that was a big problem with Josh's opinion um that's that was a big thing he wanted to talk about but that was an inconvenient sequel truth to power thirdly rushmore uh this is the film by wes anderson starring jason swarshman a delightful bill murray and the usual crew with the owen Wilson and Luke Wilson brothers being involved. Owen Wilson was not in the film, but he did write the film with Wes Anderson, as did uh, Luke Wilson was a actor in the movie and also a co-writer. We have an Olivia Williams, Brian Cox. We have Seymour Castle, Connie Nielsen, a young Connie Nielsen. This film is about uh, this film is about Jason Schwartzman, who is a charismatic, strange, and odd school attendee. He attends Rushmore, which is a kind of a fancy private school, and he's the head of all these. Uh, he's the head of all these clubs. That's a great little montage. Um, the extracurricular king of Rushmore Preparatory School is put on academic probation. That's kind of, that's the IMDB synopsis. Uh, the things that I'd wanted to talk about Rushmore, uh, as in all Wes Anderson films, the music is quirky and perfect. Unlike a film where Link, Richard Linklater, he's another one who has great soundtracks of kind of modern music that just fit the bill perfectly, as does uh, Paul Thomas Anderson. The Coen brothers have great film scores, um, but this is a this is a soundtrack thing with Rushmore, and it's perfect. the The song selection is delightful. It really helps propel the story. The story was a bit confusing to me at first, and one thing I'd love to say about Wes Anderson films, I've never seen a Wes Anderson film that I loved on the first try. 
but they're always intriguing enough for me to watch a second time, and I almost always really love them a second time. That's because you miss things. The humor in these in his movies are sharp and soft, and you just kind of need to be paying attention, and you could miss a joke three times before you watch it again and see it, or someone points it out to you, and it kind of clicks in your brain. Uh, the story is about this boy who falls in love with his teacher, and then he kind of enlists Bill Murray, who's a father of a, a fellow schoolboy, in to try and help woo this teacher. And Bill Murray ends up falling in love with her himself, and so at that point, it kind of becomes a war of the worlds. Who will win Olivia Wilde's heart? Is it? Max Fisher or Bill Murray. And Max Fisher is played by Jason Schwarzman. Uh, the cinematography is delightful. It also is quirky. Everything about Wes Anderson's movies are impeccably placed and and intentional. That's the word I was looking for. Everything in his movies are very intentional. There's not an accidental shot in the film. And it really does pay off. I liked this movie quite a bit. It doesn't crack my top three or four Wes Andersons. Um, but again, I haven't seen it twice, so maybe it will on the second viewing. The fourth film, Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? This is a George Clooney, John Turturro film. And a third brother, I can't remember his name. This is essentially the story of the Odyssey by Homer, Ulysses. In fact, uh, in fact, George Clooney's name is Ulysses. U- Ulysses. I'm not exactly sure how you say it. But we've got, uh, you've got John Turturro as Pete Hogwallop and Tim Blake Nelson. He's the other uh, third, third companion on this trip playing Delmar. We also get a performance from Holly Hunter, John Goodman, Charles Durning, we got uh, we got Wayne Duvall, a lot of very familiar faces that you would recognize. Um, Stephen Root, Jillian Welch. These, this is a story of three men who break out of a chain gang, and uh, it's their quest to find the treasure. And we run into all sorts of quirky characters. We see the sirens from the uh, from the from the Odyssey. We see Homer, or we saw we see the Cyclops played by John Goodman. Um, there's some good Southern politics that are very funny to laugh at, or 1930s po- politics that we get to laugh at. Um, but the thing about this movie. That is so much more than any other Coen Brother movie I've seen is the music is wonderful. It's folky, southern, it fits perfectly. We get some fun performances in the film, uh, not voiced by these actual car- actors, but uh, dubbed over, and it's it's delightful. The Soggy Bottom Boys, the soundtrack the soundtrack to me is worth watching the movie. The movie itself dragged a little bit. Uh, the characters, while very funny, didn't really fit together. The story, while seemingly trying to stay true to source material, also didn't care about the source material. In fact, some say 
It's not even based on any source material. That felt confusing to me. Uh, the ending was kind of a letdown. Overall, this was not a great Coen Brothers films. I have a lot of respect for these filmmakers. Um, they they very rarely make a bomb, but uh, this one was closer to bomb than not. I did still enjoy it, and there's even... The way I worded it on my letterboxed review was it was perfect puzzle pieces that didn't just fit quite right. Um, but if you love the Coen brothers or you love period pieces, this is a, a truly delightful uh, hour and 45 minutes. It's very short as well. So uh, that's Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? Lastly, this week, I went and saw a film by myself called Wind River that stars Jeremy Renner, Elizabeth Olsen, Julia Jones, and a standout takeaway performance from Graham Greene. And if you don't recognize the name, you will absolutely recognize his face. We also have a great, quiet performance from uh, John Bernthal, and a very strong performance from a gentleman named Gil Birmingham. This movie is tense. This movie is about Jeremy Renner, who is a conservation hunter who hunts wolves and mountain lions as they endanger people and crops on the conservation land. Um, this was written by the same author who wrote Hell or High Water and also Sicario, which were a couple of very intense uh, movies that came out the last year. Um, and the intensity is very similar. In fact, there's a very similar scene in Wind River as there is in Sicario, and I won't go into too much detail because I don't want to ruin it. This movie is uh, slow, cold, beautiful, It's shot on the reservation in Montana, and it's just beautiful. And the whole story is about Jeremy Renner finding the body of a young native woman in the snow. And Elizabeth Olsen is called in from the FBI. She's the only one who has jurisdiction in the reservation, aside from Graham Greene, who is one of the reservation sheriffs. Uh, the movie is a hunt for who killed this girl, and it is a uh, a search for peace from the souls of Jeremy Renner, who has also experienced trauma, and the family of this girl, and uh, and a bit of a prove yourself story for Elizabeth Olsen. The two standout performances really are Jeremy Renner and uh, Graham Greene, who plays a character named Ben. Um, it's it's just so fun to watch them on screen. This movie is not necessarily quickly paced, but it's it's got that burning pace to it. Um, you, you're never bored whatsoever. This is one of those films, uh, me and co-worker Mike are always talking about films that make you feel the way the characters feel. A great example is Mud with Matthew McConaughey. You feel sweaty and dirty when you're watching mud. Or 
some of the uh, when trumpets fade. That HBO film with uh, Dwight Yoakam. You feel very cold in that film. There's better examples than that. Um, but this is a great example of just feeling cold. You can feel it when you watch it. Um, it really gets into your to your space. I really enjoyed Wind River. Um, as of right now, that's sitting in the top six for the year for me. Probably even top four. I haven't placed it completely yet in my letterboxed uh, top ten list. But you can always check out and see where it finally ends up. Um, thank you for your patience as listeners. Uh, for tuning in, as always. I know we haven't played that screenshots game in a while, but... I do really like that game, so hopefully tomorrow, which will technically be Wednesday for me, uh, there will be a screenshots game up to play, and it will relate to this episode in some way. Uh, I would love, this is a great time to share what you are wanting to change about the Zade story. If you have any suggestions, what we can add, segments you want to hear, uh, some of the listeners have already started chipping in. I've got a few uh, got a few suggestions like maybe a shorter episode. Um, that probably isn't going to happen except for today. So there you go. You win this one. Um, maybe more movies would be a good suggestion that I've heard. Uh, more games. Less directors, more actors. Things like that. If you guys have any input... Uh, let me know. You can email me at thezadestory at gmail.com. You can tweet at me at thezadestory uh, or at zadestory. You can like us on our Facebook page and either message me or comment on what you think should change. And uh, you can always follow us on Instagram. So I think that's it. Thank you for bearing with me on this kind of low-edited episode. It's hard for me to just throw it out there, but I, I want it out there before it gets too late. So I hope you all enjoy it, and at least you have a couple of films to check out if any of them seemed interesting to you. Uh, they should all be available to watch now, except for... An Inconvenient Sequel, it's at the theater, and Wind River is at the theater. But Oh Brother, Where Art Thou, Rushmore, and Tour de Pharmacy should all be available to stream or rent for a couple bucks on Amazon Prime. So, for the love of movies and beer, my name is Kevin Zaid. How many beers did we rate your favorite movie? You know what that sound is, or at least I hope you heard that sound. I was just calling Zade Story to um, rate the Zade Story. I just wanted to say I would give it a six 
ice-cold IPAs, just like the one I'm drinking now. Delightful. Keep up the great work, guys. Look forward to that next episode. Have a great day. Bye.